Hello and you're very welcome to State of Us Election 2020, Joe's brand new politics show. Even at this early stage, you'll probably have noticed that I am not, in fact, Dion Fanning. I'm Paddy McKenna. But do not despair because Dion is here. But I am not Alan Coyne. He is not Alan Coyne. And I'm Carl Kinsella is Kinsella, here. I'm pretty sure. You are still uh, Carl Kinsella. Yeah. Carl Kinsella. Uh, Alan Coyne and Alan sadly cannot be here. But, um, I mean, in true... You know, state of us fashion. We've had our first political reshuffle, and uh, I was thinking. Ellen is sick. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but if it's, it's, you know, it's not a reshuffle if you're sick. Well, we've reshuffled the, the yeah. chairs for today for one day only. Uh, a new cabinet. Um, I was thinking of being a benevolent Taoiseach, self-appointed myself as Taoiseach here, and uh, is that how and this a, works? Is and allowing you to pick your own portfolios. But then I thought, no, that's that's not how it's done. So, Dion, uh, as a as a man of the world, exceptional diplomacy cordial relations with our nearest neighbour and a nuanced understanding foreign affairs, Dion. How do you feel? I'll take it, Paddy. Take that. I'll take it. Uh, Carol, finance, uh, no reason, just I'm yeah, keen to know where you're going to spend your money. How did you come to Our the, money. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of, I mean, what I spent my money on this morning was My Chemical Romance tickets. So I guess I, uh, you know, if it was, I would nationalise My Chemical Romance <laughs> and uh, take them under, under the, they'd be publicly funded. And that way, that my chemical romance could. I, I would nationalize pop punk and emo in general. Yeah. Uh, nationalize the central bank. Well, the no, central bank's already mm-hmm. nationalized. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're halfway there. There you so, are. Yeah, yeah. Fiscally sound policies as ever exactly, from our yeah. new minister for finance. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. I mean, the whingers that I hear every week saying there's nothing happening. Well, all of the protesters that I have seen before. Uh, seem to have extremely expensive phones, tablets, uh, video cameras, and other... Sorry, sorry. It's more like um, a very trendy kind of boutique hotel type place, right? Fuck you, Deputy Stike. Fuck you. There's a very simple false assumption of Richard saying that I am a wealthy man. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't necessarily assume that if I were you. Ask my bank manager. When it comes to Sinn Féin and the rule of law... Public order Deputy and condemning violence. It doesn't take very long for your balaclava to slip. Up the Republic, up the rebels, and it's Chucky Arlaw. Control yourself. Control yourself. Yes, indeed, you're very welcome to the State of Us. Um, election 2020, we're one week out. At the start, I think a lot of people probably felt like three and a half weeks is a short campaign, but it has felt incredibly long. It does still feel like. Like it feels strange that there is eight more days. Last night we had the third of four debates, um, the last of the group debates, which I think is a small mercy. And Carol Kinsella, judging by your tweets last night, you know, to your eternal credit, you managed to stay. I think almost to the to the end. Did you get the whole yeah, way no, there? Yeah, I got the whole way there. That's um, incredible. Yeah, which I mean, like I've said multiple times while covering this election, that's because I'm paid to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone who's not paid to do this uh, would have it would have had it as easy. You know, a lot of the social media commentary was flooded with people saying that they had switched off in the first 15 minutes in the first half an hour. And I think there was one specific reason given for that. And that was, unfortunately, the, the co-hosting of, of, of Ivan Yates. Um, Ivan Yates, he was, you know, to give him his due, you know, like some people presumably tune in to political broadcasts like debates for the catharsis of seeing people yell at politicians and seeing politicians yell at each other. Um, but I think Ivan Yates took it to a whole new extreme yesterday, mm. and it really was the Ivan Yates show. You know, I think at one point I almost heard him say, let me finish this point. <laughs> Stop which interrupting is, me. Yeah, which is, you know, like, that's what the politicians are there for. You know, he's there to ask questions and really... 
uh, what he he saw his role as being there to make pronouncements. You see, you say all that, you say all that, but like you've just started by saying this has been a very long campaign. We've been hearing, we are, we're hearing the same things, especially, and everyone was saying this about last night's debate. You know, it came three days after the previous one in Galway. So what more could they say? What more could the same people, with a couple of people subbed in, but essentially the same yeah. as the characters say? Some B-teamers, yeah. So what we needed was a new character. What we needed was a new personality to inject. So the breakout star of, of election 2020 is Ivan Yates. Suddenly, out of nowhere, comes this guy and said, I'm going to you know, make my mark. I'm going to stamp my authority on this debate. And uh, he, he did that. You know, the fact that we were, you know... Uh, Unenlightened um, and you know less 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 <laughs> less sure about any of the of the party's policies because of it is is one thing. But from the point of view of saying politics, maybe people did switch off. Maybe the people on Twitter switched off, but they still, a lot of them still seem to be there, even though they were saying yeah, they switched yeah. off. And I, I wonder mean, if Ivan Yates thought everyone has heard a lot of this stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it entertaining at least, and everyone disputes the idea that politics should be entertaining. But I think if that you, people dispute the idea that Ivan Yates is entertaining. Mm. But I, I think I, I, I can't answer that. I think I see. I, have I no think, answer to that. I, I agree that the the new character strategy has definitely worked for shows like The Wire and uh, and Lost in the past. But as far as this election goes, like Ivan Yates, he wasn't so much a new character as much as he was just a man cutting the legs off the characters who were already there. And especially because, you know, a lot of people will note. And I guess these are the people you're talking about, Dion, who, who probably don't think politics is, is entertainment. It's people who, who look at it from the viewpoint of, you know, this is very serious and lives are on the line, etc. And that, like, say, for example, things like healthcare and childcare were not addressed in the first debate. So people probably wanted to hear some answers on mm-hmm. those. Um, and I think when it came down to it, 15 minutes in, uh, Ivan Yates was, was cutting everyone off. It was very clear. You know, Michal Martin eventually told him, you know, calm it down. Mm. And he seemed to take that on board. Um, <laughs> which probably, like, you know, like, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, that's probably, To his credit. Yeah, yeah well, that's... I, I, You know, first of all, maybe it tells you that Michal Martin is a born leader. But maybe it also tells you, I'd say he probably got a... You know, I'm sure he had the earpiece in. I, I've... I've you have to think that the producers of Virgin Media got in his ear and said you have to scale this But you see, I, like the one thing I would question there is, and I, w- I wouldn't question the idea that there's serious issues at stake in this election and you know, people's votes will determine how the country is shaped for the next four or five years. But the idea, the leap there to some degree is that the debates is where we establish yes, right, that we're learning where, what they are rather debates, than establishing, yeah, yeah. oh my God, like how does Mary Lou get on with Michal Martin? Yes, or yeah, has yeah. Mary Lou won this debate? Because, you know, you saw the one in Galway. She, like Mary Lou had good sound bites ready to go that she delivered. Richard Boyd Barrett got the crowd going. Mm. He won those debates. How much that actually has a bearing mm. on the actual policy or how much it is it like yeah. is what wrapped up with their policies is 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 a different question so i think I, ivan yates played the debate for he just became another personality yeah. in a personality can, show. Can we briefly talk about, because uh, we haven't spoken about them as a party at all yet over the course of this this show, is solidarity-pvp-aa, is that Richard Boyd Barrett pretty much had the standout performance of the first debate in NUIG on Monday, and they subbed him out. You know, they subbed him out for Mick Barry, and Mick Barry last night, while he made some fair points, he made them in a way that does not work in a televised debate at all. His style of speaking was like, 
And why don't we spend enough on healthcare? I'll tell you why. And I'm going to make two points and I'll make them very briefly. And it's like, you need to speed up right now. But, but even in terms of profile, profile nobody, could, people see, will I, not recognise yeah, like McBarry. Like they will recognise Richard Boyd uh, The theory appears to be that apparently McBarry is in danger of losing his seat and they put him on the national platform. So you know, I'm well, afraid McBarry no, had, he, he had that air of somebody who has spent an awful long time of his life and that's fine. Uh, in rooms where he starts every every sentence with the words through the chair, <laughs> right? You know, yeah, so like yeah. you know, I think the briefly comment was, uh, in fact, he said something like, "I will be as brief as any of the others." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like yeah. he was again, there was this uh, kind of admin, like admin bureaucratic yes, yeah, kind of yeah. approach to delivering it, which is which comes from I think a lot of those meetings, you know, yeah, speaking yeah. through the chair. Uh, I would yeah. have liked to have seen a separate camera on Ivan Yates as Mick Barry was speaking. He probably looked Split like screen, yeah. he probably looked like he like a, like a Doberman chewing a raw steak or something like that. He was probably absolutely <laughs> losing his mind. Just on yeah. Ivan Yates, is it like you know when um, uh, fo- ex-footballers? Uh, it's transfer deadline day. It's Brexit day. We'd mm. have to get in some football analogies as well. You know when ex-footballers go to in- interview like current footballers, like Henri goes to interview Lukaku or whatever, and instantly you see them loosening up. They're like, oh, he's mm. played the game. He's done at the highest level so and then the obviously Henri expects as well the same you know Lukaku give me the Jew I'm not just some hack who's showing up I've yeah, done yeah. it do you think Ivan Yates thinks when he's talking to everybody listen I've, I'm one of you I know what this is about please like, show me the respect that I have earned and I'm due I, I think he certainly thinks he probably knows more than most of them about it I'd say he certainly does because you could even see from, from the get go that he was obsessed with things like costings and how these things would be paid for yeah. and you know like he He's clearly kind of trying to be granular. Uh, I don't know if it really came. I thought off, that one, I thought, thought that was a quite a an interesting point. Only if you let them finish, though. Only yeah. like, as in only if you actually hear the answer. But I also thought there was a, he, he achieved a remarkable thing where he uh, he made Leo Varadkar kind of funny in the opening bit when when he addressed them all. You know, we've got these chancers and charlatans yeah, yeah. here, and Leo said something which I think was a, intended to be a joke when he said something, and it's a. And you know, had a good evening to you too, Ivan. Leo has had well, the joke lately, By political standards. Like, uh, on Monday in NUIG, uh, in the RTE debate, he had another joke where he said, like, you know, and again, just the most... It's just such a politics joke, the kind of joke that Paul Kors love, where he was like, you know, every party has nutters. There's even a few nutters in my own party. Right, and yeah, you could yeah, practically yeah. hear the Paul Kors be like, woo! Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, that's what they love. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, these are the kind of things that, that play really well with people who are obsessed with the game of politics. How mm. did Leo Varadkar do that? We'll get to Michal Martin and uh, Mary Lou in a moment, but Leo Varadkar, general consensus was this wasn't his best outing. Like, he's done quite well to date in terms of the, the debates. But he was better on Monday night, albeit with Claire Byrne as moderator. Yeah, I think probably... I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to say because I think to meld two points together and talking about Mary Lou... Uh, and I think we, we're just going to have to because this is the most salient thing I think that happened last night especially with a view to whatever coalition is going to be built after the election Mary Lou gave him a serious helping hand like when Mary Lou turned to him about the, the re-establishing power sharing in the north mm. and said Leo Varadkar has been very helpful uh, and Michal Martin is only ever there with a, a jibe from the side like that was une- that was unexpected well, before, again, you, before you get stuck into it let's hear that because that is an important moment in the debate from last night this was starting with me Martin, and we will be hearing as well from Mary Lou. This is the moment. The greatest barrier to Irish unity for the last 40 years on this island has been Sinn Féin. They have damaged the prospects of United Ireland more than any other political party because they supported a campaign of violence 
that murdered many people in both communities wrongly. And they continue to try and justify it and endorse it. And when they say it belongs to no party, they aggressively went forward on the border poll immediately after Brexit. And the problem is that others looking, when they see Sinn Féin coming at them, saying we must have the border poll within three and four years, they look at it from a different perspective. Uh, and they, they look at it, really, at a movement that threatens them. Uh, and we know from Sinn Féin's record, and we know from the Provisional IRA's record, that huge damage was done to, uni- to, 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 to unity so, in this island you know, because it was a very, very sectarian campaign yeah. that hit communities hard along the border wrongly, and, it sh- and there was never proper atonement for that or acknowledgement that of that. Very and it's something so I passionately I, I believe in. Say, and, and just to put Hall's mind at rest, there's nobody in the North who needs a homily from Hall Martin on the troubles and the conflict and the real suffering uh, that people experience. Nobody from any side of the the divide. And what you find, astonishingly, for for a leader of Fianna Fáil, if I might say so, that with Micheál Martin, it's always the jibe. It's always the the, the put-down from the side when it comes to the North. Let me say this, and in fairness to Leo Varadkar, and we have huge differences, and we've had huge differences in the course of the the work to get the power-sharing government uh, re-established. But I have to say, in fairness to him, we recognise that that was the job we had to do constructively to build the future. But with with Micheál Martin, this is entirely party political posturing because, you see, we are an all-Ireland Republican party. We are for a united Ireland. I want that done democratically, peacefully and respectfully. Okay, I want to hear Leo Varadkar coming. So, um, Dion... uh, as Carl mentioned there, a good moment for Leo Varadkar. Well, uh, yeah, if, well, that's if you consider uh, Sinn Féin, you know, throwing uh, praise your way to be, to be a good moment. Um, I wonder about that. But I would, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was interesting because I think there is, uh, like, they both went on to rule out uh, coalition with Sinn Féin and Leo Varadkar had a pop at the idea that... Um, you know, are we just, you know, he said that Neil Martin's party wasn't united behind this idea of ruling out coalition, whereas his was. But everything else, even I now, like, I'm bringing my own baggage to this, if you like, but like, even like, I think that the, the, the reasons why Fine Gael are ruling out coalition are much easier to kind of get around in a program for government than uh, Fianna Fáil's reasons are. Like, if you, like, because, you know, Leo Varadkar says it's not about the past, it's about the present, and the present being the, the economic programme mm. of Sinn Féin. Leo actually likes the future. That's oh, his the one. future, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, even the present isn't good enough okay, for Leo. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, the fu- yeah. but, but it's the same point, but it's the economic policy exactly, of Sinn yeah, Féin. Yeah. So in, if you're sitting down in a, in a, in a negotiation post the election... A lot of that stuff could yeah, be, yeah. you know, could be negotiated down and whittled away. That's, so, yeah. so I think like there, there's there is uh, an element there of I think while he says his party is united behind him in in opposition to coalition with Sinn Fein, I you know I think there there is there is a negotiating point there mm-hmm. that is easy that is harder for. Miel Martin to reach with the stance he's taken. Does yeah, Leo has set it up in a way where it's it's not about the shadowy Ord Corla or you know the history of you know like it's not about the the history of of you know Northern Ireland vis a vis the troubles and all that. Leo Varadkar has made it very plain that it, he just believes that Sinn Fein's economic policies would lead to ruin, and so he can just as soon as the election is over, if it turns out that the the mats add up and he could go into government with Sinn Fein, he's positioned himself quite well because he can get he can just get economic concessions from Sinn Fein, get them to change their policies and then maybe they can do a deal together and as has been noted 
by the parties that are kind of to the left of Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin have resolutely not ruled out speaking to either party after, you know, like to the point that they've been asked to do it a hundred times and they still won't do it. I think that tells you quite a lot. So, you know, that's not just uh, that's not just ambiguous as to whether or not they they talk about coalition with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. You know, once you refuse to answer the question a hundred times, people will start drawing the conclusion that they are prepared to go into these coalitions. Well, you wonder too, because like the thing that I, I felt about Leo Varadkar last night was at the very end, it sort of summed up like how slowly the penny seems to be dropping for Fine Gael because his his last you know his 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 the concluding remarks he started again with this thing about the tax cut we will put more money in your pocket now this didn't work in the last election and i i feel, i don't think it's I think it's, it's an old playbook it's like again very much a Fine Gael thing of let's take every little bit of uh, every playbook we can from kind of center right parties across Europe and the world over the past 30 yeah. years. And like the thing that is people are crying out for, they appreciate that the economy is on a, on a good footing in a macro sense, but they're like housing and health are the issues. And Fine Gael, like by starting off by something else, he got to housing and health. But by starting off with that again, it's like I don't know if, you, if you're, maybe you can't address them because you're held responsible for them, but you have to acknowledge that you need to do more on that. Now, uh, especially on housing, uh, Fine Gael, Sinn Féin coalition would allow, Sinn, would allow Fine Gael to piggyback on the most impressive housing spokesperson in the, in the election, which is Owen O'Brien. Uh, and so if you, if you were... Now, how Owen O'Brien would work in a Fine Gael government, I don't know, but uh, Fine Gael, Sinn Féin government. But that, that, would, that would solve a very obvious difficulty for Fine Gael in terms of of how they are perceived because their housing, you know, Owen Murphy is yeah. is one of the problems with their campaign. Well, I think that's probably, you know, if Shin, this and this is this is why people on the left are so concerned about the idea of a Sinn Féin coalition is because you definitely get the sense that were Sinn Féin to go into coalition with Fine Gael, it wouldn't be Sinn Féin's housing policy implemented. It would it would remain Fine Gael's. You'd get maybe some compromise, but you, you'd imagine that it wouldn't be Owen O'Brien who'd be housing minister. You'd think it would probably still be Owen Murphy. I don't, yeah. Yeah, like, you know. I don't know about that. I, I don't really know. I, you know, maybe you could do like a, you know, a Roy Evans, Jared Houllier thing where like the two of them basically fight <laughs> over it and, you know, run us into the ground together. That but would, That would be an interesting, yeah. yeah. But like, but I, I, I think that, I think once all is said and done, I think that's not going to happen. It's not going to be a Fianna Gael and Sinn Féin okay, because there okay. is too much baggage there. Okay, back to Fianna Fáil because, Dion, I'll put it to you that from a Fianna Fáil point of view is the big problem for Micheál Martin the fact that ideologically and in, in terms of their existence, there are two Republican parties that are essentially that Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil are threatened by Sinn Féin's existence and the surge in the polls is a problem for them because they want to inhabit and essentially in many cases do inhabit the same space. Well, yeah, I think some of them probably do. I think Micheál Martin, uh, his tone of republicanism is very different to Sinn Féin's. Whether there are more people in, uh, there are other people in Fianna Fáil who are more sympathetic to the Sinn Féin republican position, there probably are. But I think it's a huge uh, it's a huge clash because it is a, it is a fundamental thing, and I think it is like I look at Sinn Fein and I think you know they're they're over and you know no, they're not hiding this. Their overarching uh, need demand, their overarching philosophy, uh, their overarching desire is for a united Ireland. That is the most important thing, plank of their manifesto. So uh, 
if you vote, like if you vote for Sinn Féin and you, you, know, you like some of their policies but you don't want a united Ireland, it's like being uh, a Remain supporter and voting for the Brexit party because you like their you know, plans for motorway <laughs> maintenance. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not, it doesn't add up. Like this is what they want above all else. And like me, Mary Lou Macdonald, I mean, she's very good at it. But like even in in that exchange, like when when Michal Martin said, you know, that Sinn Féin are the biggest impediment to United Ireland, uh, she didn't <laughs> she didn't address that because she she says, you know, we're, we don't, nobody in the north needs homilies from from Fianna Fáil uh, and all the stuff and people who've suffered on both sides there. Now there's lots of people in Northern Ireland who don't need any homilies from Mary Lou Macdonald or anyone from Sinn Féin as well, and I think there is. Uh, a reality to what Michal Martin says about a united Ireland in terms of what kind of united Ireland you want it to be uh, and ultimately and I, you know, Ellen asked Mary Lou this question when she was in here and ultimately uh, Sinn Féin could be an impediment could be the part, could be the group that needs to get out of the way if you're going to do a united Ireland where actually you persuade the people who need to be persuaded the reason I disagree with that is because Sinn Féin have never been in government. I don't think you can you can legitimately be said to be impeding something if you've never been in a position to shape policy. As in, like, there well, is, there is, no, there is no United Ireland and there is no border poll, and that is the consistent no, and persistent the, choice of Fianna Gael governments and Fianna Fáil governments. But they're, so, impe- like, no, but they're impeding... They're, they're impeding they're, it on, like, an esoteric no, no, level. Like, no, as in, it's not, no, it's not a real esoteric, impediment. No, the impediment is the, the years of IRA killings. That's the impediment. That's that's a real. That's not an esoteric thing. That's a real and concrete thing that happened to people, and the tone of Sinn Fein never really shifting. But your argument, can, you know. your, I mean, your argument can't possibly be the troubles is is an impediment to United Ireland, like that, like the Why not? because that was the purpose of the troubles was to achieve United Ireland. Like but, as in there, but, there would be absolutely there would but, be have. As in, like, but you, but you understand, but like the a, Good Friday no, agreement. But, that, but you see, you're looking, you're doing the thing that, like, you're looking at a United Ireland from the point of view of uniting, you know, the people who want to be united and ignoring the people who are on the island who don't want to be united and their resistance. Like, if you want to ignore what happened to them during the troubles, then fine. But well, I, Sinn Féin, that's not. I mean, like, that's not. Mary Lou said that there were however many hundreds of thousands of unionists in uh, Northern Ireland and that they have to be cared for in a United Ireland as well. She's said a border, border poll in the next five years, so she's not calling for it right away. And as to the point about, say, for example, the Brexit and motorway thing, every candidate on the stage yesterday said that they were in favour of a United Ireland. So no matter who you're voting for, you're voting for yeah, a party but, but who is... Obviously, it's, Sinn, it's more Sinn Féin have claimed ownership more so than anyone else. But to say that you're an impediment to something, particularly in 2020, um, as no, opposed to 1973... No, but, like, no, but I, my point is that... If you want a United Ireland that actually... What has Micheál Martin ever done to achieve a United Ireland? Well, I, I, we're not talking... Like, well, I think he would... I don't know what he has done to achieve a United Ireland, but, like, it is depressing... Like, well, how can you claim someone else is an impediment to something that you yourself have no, never but, tried to achieve? Well, no, I think, I think the impediment is that there is a hostility in, among the unionist community to anything that is going to be driven by Sinn Féin for uh, understandable reasons... Uh, and the idea that you would be co-opting them into something 
Um, I think there is. Well, a, would you I, say the unionists would be more comfortable if it was Fianna? I mean, they'd be more. Well, no, would they be comfortable I, if I it was Fianna? Like, but I, but as I in, think, like the DUP consistently for the last two or three years have made out that Leo Varadkar is undermining well, unionism. Like, as in, so I would argue that basically whoever is in government in Ireland, and I sincerely believe this, as long as they were working actively towards a united Ireland. Because uni- un- unionists, by definitionally, don't want to unite. But then, what are, gonna, are then what are we? The then what are we going to do? Like, what are we? I sincerely do not know. I like. Yeah, I don't like, have an answer for you know that what I mean? at all. Like, I, my but position is, I don't want a united Ireland. So, like, I can say, like, but I think if you united Ireland, I. But there's a part of me that thinks a, an Ireland united, where actually every every uh, every tradition on this island was kind of bought into what what yes. was happening, would be would make Ireland a far superior place i would like the the like this is might sound complete fantasy but i would like the mix of traditions i think it would actually make yeah. for a better country a more in, like well a, un, uh, a unified ireland as opposed a uni- to a yes, united yeah, ireland yeah, because yeah, unif- yeah. a unified uh, ireland uh, isn't so possible if you, wa- if you want that then what what do you do to get that because the big impediment to that is the the, the wishes of united of the unionists now you might be right you're probably right that uh, you know, whatever you say, they're gonna they're they're gonna have they're gonna say no because that's their that's their position. Yeah, but like the biggest impediment, the but, but, biggest impediment to United Ireland is the fact that, and this is a legitimate view. If you are of uh, British heritage in Northern Ireland, this is an entirely legitimate way to feel. But if the biggest impediment to United Ireland is obviously the fact that roughly a million people on the island don't want to be part of the of a United Ireland. They, mm. they are part of a union, and that union is the United Kingdom. That's the impediment. So that's what I'm saying, is that it's a disingenuous argument. to And I, I fully accept that lots of people don't need homilies from Mary Lou MacDonald because Sinn Féin's association with the IRA is problematic. And that is going to, facts are facts, that's going to stop a lot of people voting for them. But as far as the debate goes, and as far as making your argument, it's disingenuous and inaccurate to say that someone like Mary Lou MacDonald and cur- the current well, iteration, no, we, the current iteration of Sinn Fein is the biggest obstacle between. Uh, well, no, but I, us think, and I, think, I, okay. I would say. Come back on that. I think it would be the biggest obstacle to persu- to persuading people if you think they can be persuaded, which is a big if. Yes, it's a okay. huge if. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a huge yeah. if. But if you think they can be persuaded, but the only way you're going to have a unified Ireland, as far as I can see, that isn't uh, some sort of balkanized state, is by persuading them. Not by and uh, so your your view is that Fianna Fáil have a better chance well, as an all Ireland party. Well, I don't know than Sinn Féin. I no, I didn't. I didn't say that. I think I don't think like I didn't. I don't. I didn't say that. I think Sinn Féin. The, the idea. But that they Sinn don't Féin, have that. Impediment. No, no, that's not what I said at all. I said Sinn Féin as an impediment. I can see. I can see that point. It's not that I'm then saying oh Fianna Fáil like because then you're back into well what do you want from United Ireland like I I honestly think when I hear me old Martin talking about it, I think that's that's a more desirable type of United Ireland than the one, but again, it might be fantasy. Yes. You know? And, like, and to like be the fair, other thing I would say on this is that, like you said, a lot of people whose baggage will, Sinn Féin baggage will stop them voting for, 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 or their baggage will stop them voting for Sinn Féin. And that's been a line that's put forward still, or that young people ignore their, are, are, mm. are ignoring their baggage. I think it's the opposite. I think that baggage 
is something that it, 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 it partly explains the surge in the well, what ca- well, that what cannot be disputed is the surge. Yeah, and I mean, and what and the I, opinion polls are saying yeah. is that you know Sinn Fein are up to nineteen percent in the, the most recent yeah, opinion think, poll as the second biggest. Yeah, and I think Dion is right. Party like, in Ireland. I think Dion is entirely correct on that point. Like, I think that Sinn Fein are surging with young people, not just because they have more progressive views on housing and healthcare, and not just because we've never had them in government before, but I think because realistically, in the last three and four years. Young Irish people are more nationalistic than say the then say the people who were you know reaching maturity and going through their lives at the time of the Good Friday Agreement when things were becoming a Do you little think bit more those placid. People have considered where unionists fit into this unified uh, United no, Ireland. No, probably not. I would say probably not. Like because you know that what? is a that yeah. is something that yeah. in terms of impediment that is yeah. And I suppose, you know it's, it's, it's important to, to you know clarify kind of who you're talking about. I'm sure there are lots of people out there who are thinking long and hard about how unionism and uh, unionists would fit into United Ireland. But I think there are a lot of people, and I mean, this is a core tenet of staunch republicanism, that it's, it's not about the unionists. It is about, um, it is about just reaching, you know, going mm. back to what we had 800 years ago, where it's, it's Ireland entirely ruled, ruled by Irish people. You know, like, obviously... Well, we're not going back 800 and, years. And that's not going like, to like, happen. We, we, we spent a long time laughing, you know, and it is Brexit Day, we spent a long time laughing at the delusions mm-hmm of English nationalism and yeah. it, you know the manifestation of it is going to be seen today and we we can we will put anybody we will give anybody a good contest in terms of delusions around nationalism yeah. and uh, and our uh, and and the same patterns of failure to understand like to, to see things driven entirely from that nationalistic point of view and uh you know, and there are reasons for it, and there, are, you know, there, there, like talk of oppression and all these things are valid, and all these things that happen. But at the same time, uh, any conversation about that that actually <laughs> tries to, I think you've got a more, you've, you're, you're actually more entitled to have to be a Republican and not want a united Ireland than to uh, like and think, well, actually, the unionist people are there. And I don't want anything to do with them because of their attitude. But if you start talking about a United Ireland, you have to start factoring in the people who who, who are there mm. rather than harking back. And I know you're only talking about one strain of Republicans, yeah, so, yeah. but harking back to some and that's, time and that's, and there, before the plantation. There are going to be, and like, I mean, it's o- this conversation is only going to continue as the years go on. I think it's only going to get, we're only going to get deeper and deeper into it. So a lot of strains of thought are going to emerge. And we are going to have people who do not care at all how the unionists fit in to a united Ireland. They're going to be people who do their very utmost to make it as palatable as possible for everybody to, you know, achieve Michal Martin's dream of all of us, you know, you know, holding hands and and uh, dancing around the fire. Um, it's like De Valera. Yeah, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, I think probably the most salient point made is, is the hugeness of the if. You know, like there really is... <clears throat> You know, the idea of a united, a functional united Ireland, you know, it's mad. People make the point that, oh, in the 2016 general election, this seemed so far away. And now here we are talking Mm. about it. We're talking about it because of Brexit and we're talking talking about it because the choice of the United Kingdom to leave the European Union has put Northern Ireland economically in a really terrible position to the point that Northern, Northern Ireland would now economically probably be better placed were it to unite and align economically with the Republic and with our e, with the EU guidelines. Um, but the fact is that ideologically and in terms of, you know, cross-divide 
uh, empathy and understanding. I don't know if we've moved on at all. Since 2016, I would say we haven't moved no, on I, at I, all. No, I'd say we've I, gone the other direction. Yeah, we've probably gone the other direction. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about Brexit in the context of the whole island as well, because today is Brexit Day, and in fairness, it's an issue that has disappeared from the conversation, mostly because people had just reached... Uh, saturation point and we're very relieved to leave it aside after Christmas and it hasn't really bubbled up in the way that I presume Fine Gael would have preferred given their manifesto it was chapter one and Fianna Fáil it was I think towards the end or wherever I mean like today is a day where we've arrived at Brexit there is a deal and presumably Fine Gael will look to hype that up Dion because they've delivered that deal and it is a day that I presume for the rest of the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the campaign now Fine Gael can make some political capital off that well, yeah, I suppose they can for a couple of days, de- like you know, hours. Maybe. hours. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know how long it will yeah. last. Like, um, like we went down to Simon Coveney's constituency earlier in the week and asked people what they were, uh, you know, what how high Brexit placed on their list of priorities and what does half time in Brexit mean. I I, uh, <laughs> I swallowed hard and asked that <laughs> question, um, and you know, nobody cares about it. Like nobody cares about it at all, and like you know, you didn't need you know, you didn't need to go <laughs> and ask people that to find that to find the answer to that question. But it's how long it la- how long it's a stay. Like there will be some appreciation for what like what Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney did to a degree. I, like, but I don't. But I but I think at the same time again. It's done. I don't think anybody is then thinking about the trade negotiations. No, and. And that dif- and the, the difficulties of that and are, are also buys into necessarily buys into this Finnegal pushed idea that only they can like can take care of the trade negotiation because in some ways like they've you know they've already said after the first stage was done they were said we're now going to be kind of Britain's closest friend in the uh, mm. in the in the second stage of it now you could make the argument well if you spent you know you spent the last uh, two years having pops at them. Maybe somebody else might be in a better position to be their friend. You know what I mean? So, like, there isn't that argument now. Their experience and their like how they how they've conducted themselves and the respect Leo Varadkar uh, and Simon Coveney especially have, have picked up along the way will stand to them. But I don't think the public are going to be thinking. Um, we can't uh, trust Michal Martin on, on how the trade you sw- when they're only when. The big what put our, our put was what also put Ireland front and centre, and this is a big important point. Mm. What put Ireland front and centre was uh, the border, and the border is of dealt course. with. So, like Ireland are just one of yes, a number, yeah. and we are probably going to suffer in the trade deal for a number of reasons because of that. And there are other factors in, like you know, there will be things that are coming down the line, like corporate tax rate and stuff that. Uh, don't feed into that but you know the Europe is looking at Ireland in a very like in things <clears> like that now so I don't think we are the big players in this stage that we were in the first stage Carol in the British general election we'll remember um, Donald Trump bringing into LBC to um, burnish uh, uh, Boris Johnson's campaign I mean would something similar now if Boris Johnson were to ring into uh, Morning Ireland or Joe Duffy and say how great he thinks Leo Varadkar would that be useful to Leo Varadkar yeah, at this stage I'm, I'm useful in the sense of you know like all coffins need nails <laughs> and like you know I guess that will provide that uh, yeah like I I think if, if Boris Johnson were to speak up now and put his head above the parapet for any of the candidates that would pretty much be a death now um, you know I think I think Leo Varadkar one of you know like 
Dion has kind of alluded to this, one of one of the strongest elements, one something that has improved Leo Varadkar's standing in Ireland is how he has been vilified by members of the Tory party, by the DUP, by the Sun, by the kind of traditional uh, enemies of, you know, general of, you know, the Irish citizenry. Um, so, yeah, I think if that were to happen, but not that there's, you know, I do you I, think Leo thought that that was going to do him some good. I, I think he did, you know, like judging by how they decided to set up their manifesto and the way they planned out their campaign, you know, the whole, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say the halftime thing, uh, but all, all, all that, like they clearly thought Brexit was going to be a bit of a silver bullet for them and that it was going mm. to help them get over the line. But see, the thing is, like, Brexit is a process with lots of knock-on effects. And when you have record crowding in hospitals and record homelessness, people only care about the knock-on effects. So it's like, yeah. it would have been like in, you know, one of the mid-2000 elections, asking people, oh, what do you think about the way American banks are giving out mortgages so easily now? Mm. And, like, people being like, oh, I don't care about that. I just want, you know, somewhere to sleep on a hospital. Yeah. But, of course, it was as a result of that that Lehman Brothers collapsed and Bear Stearns collapsed, and we all ended up without a job and 50,000 people emigrating. So we don't know what the effects of Brexit mm. are going to be, but we do know that people don't care until they happen. No. Um, and for now, people are not going to be thinking about... And maybe maybe some time down the line, Leo Varadkar was like, well, I, wa- I warned you, you should have kept me in charge for Brexit. But I mean, that kind of also, I mean, as you say, he's one of 27 leaders mm. now. I don't think it actually hugely matters. With regards to Brexit, I don't think it really matters who's leading Ireland going into the next uh, phase, as long as they are some way capable, uh, you know, and have their Sean heads... Sean yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, thankfully... Um, you know, something that a lot of people in the civil service will tell you is that, like, the Department of Foreign Affairs has uh, basically always been the shining jewel of the Irish civil service, and we have very, very good operators in the Department of Foreign Affairs. So, you know, Simon Coveney has looked very good in the last couple of years, but I'm pretty sure you'd cross your fingers that uh, an Irish Minister for Foreign Affairs will always look good, um, whether it be Sean Hawhey or someone else. Uh, <laughs> 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 right, okay, um, listen, um, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure here chatting today um parachuted in here um to sit alongside you two gentlemen has been a, a pleasure and um just to say thank you very much for watching and listening to the state of us loads of people watching on youtube huge numbers and lots of people tuning in as well and watching it on social if you haven't already done so you can click subscribe wherever you are listening to the show or click subscribe on youtube and you will get every episode of state of us um one more show before uh, d-day um so we won't ask for any predictions just yet but uh for now i want to say thanks very much to Dion and to Carl and to all the production team here at Joe we'll see you again soon I mean the whingers that I hear every week saying there's nothing happening well all of the protesters that I have seen before uh, seem to have extremely expensive phones tablets uh, video cameras and other sorry sorry it's more like um a very trendy kind of boutique hotel type place, right? Please. Fuck you, Deputy Stark. Fuck eight, you. Eight, eight. There's a very simple false assumption which you're saying that I am a wealthy man. I wouldn't be I wouldn't necessarily assume that if I were you. Ask my bank manager. When it comes to Sinn Fein and the rule Tisha. of law, Tisha. And public order, Deputy and condemning violence, it doesn't take very long for your balaclava to slip. Up the Republic, up the rebels, and it's Chucky Arlo. Control yourself. Right.